Well, the name of our series to start off the year has been Excel, and it comes from a scripture, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. And this is a list that is not exhaustive. It's not the only areas we need to excel in, but as the Holy Spirit is breathing upon this particular passage, it says it this way. But just as you excel, meaning you have an, you have an overabundance of, of positive things, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, those are the last three sermons we had. And now today, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. So we're going to talk today about complete earnestness. And we're going to call that passion because I don't want to have to say that word like 25 times this morning. That's not an easy word to say. And I like the word passion anyway because we all need some passion. So today we're going to talk about excelling in passion. In 2008, I was pastoring this church, and it was a really scary time for us as Americans because the global economic crisis occurred, and a lot of us were facing the most challenging economic times uh, that have ever happened in our lifetime. Some still remember the Depression, but since the Depression, uh, the challenges were high. And I just remember particularly in 08 and early 09, uh, there was a lot of legitimate fear, a lot of legitimate concern. And uh, things are improving for some. I don't want to be insensitive, uh, insensitive to those of you who are still unemployed or have not recovered your money. So I, I know that this thing's not over, but uh, there, there are some reasons to be optimistic. And there were a lot of factors, a lot of things that uh, caused our country and the world to be vulnerable economically. But one of the areas in our country, I remember in 2008, one of the areas that was a major concern was the fact that uh, we were dependent upon the rest of the world for our energy. In fact, two-thirds of our energy came from other countries. And there was a limit to how much energy, meaning oil, natural gas, that we were able, going, going to be able to produce in our future. Well, something has shifted a lot of times when we're in the middle of history, uh, we're not able to discern uh, a historical happening. But I think that 50 years from now, 75, 100 years from now, it's quite possible uh, that historians will look back into the era we're in the middle of and will uh, note a significant change in our country that has come uh, through the ability to extract new sources of energy through uh, fracking or horizontal drilling. And whether you agree with that or not, um, here is the, the ramifications right now is that not only has our dependency on foreign oil decreased, that in the coming decade, it's quite possible that America and Canada together will be the number one producer of energy in the entire world. And that's going to make a huge, huge difference in our vulnerability in national defense, it makes a huge difference in how much it costs to heat our house during the winter. And so that is a positive thing. Now, here's, I followed this story and it's made me realize something, how vulnerable we are. Because we have created a world that needs energy. We have created a world, uh, a world dependent upon electricity, a world dep dependent upon um, all types of different power sources in our communication, in our transportation, we have to have energy to make our world work. And so I know some of you are car people. I'm not really a car person, 
cards aren't that big of a deal to me, but I want to show you this beauty. Look at this bad boy right here, all right? This is a 2014 Audi A6, which a new, new uh, U.S. News and World Report has determined this is the best luxury car available right now. And those who determine this through, I guess, through market research and surveys, um, they have some great things to say. And this is some good riding here with a beautiful interior, powerful engine options, with engaging handling. Reviewers agree that the 2014 Audi A6 offers one of the best driving experiences in the class. This is kind of maybe a hint for like Pastor's Appreciation Month or Christmas bonus, huh? All right. You know, I don't have a, I don't have like a reserved pastor's parking place, but you guys would know where I parked if you, if I had one of these. So. Now I am joking. I'm not one of those preachers who think I have to have the best car in town and all that, but this is a beautiful machine. Even a guy like me, I'm not a big car guy. I had to you know, look up Google research on this stuff. But I mean, this is awesome. The interior, the exterior, you can get it in V4, V6, V6 diesel. Um, it handles great, good gas mileage. I mean, it is the top of the line. But here's the deal. As great as this engine is and the interior and the exterior and the reputation, do you know that if this car doesn't have gasoline, I mean, it's worthless. Maybe it has value to the eye, right? Like you could park it in your garage and look at it. But without gasoline, you're not gonna be able to use it for its original purpose. It's not gonna function the way it's designed to function. This is an analogy, a metaphor for our passion because passion is our fuel. That's our first observation I wanna make today. Passion is our fuel. You can be well-educated, well-trained, well-mentored, but if you don't have passion, about whatever God calls you to put your hands to, then you're not going to be effective and you're not gonna be used the way God wants you to. I mean, you, you can have a job and you can be given the title, you can be given the opportunity, you can be given the training and the skills, but if you bring a bad attitude to the workplace, if you bring low energy, if you don't have passion about your hobby, passion about your job, passion about whatever skill you're pursuing, all the training doesn't matter. See, last week we talked about knowledge and you know I believe in that. I hope, I hope that stuck with you this week of increasing your knowledge and letting God use your knowledge. But knowledge without passion is incomplete. And when God calls us to excel in passion, he does so for a reason. And Jesus had lots of passion about a lot of different things. But I think that a story that, that really sticks out is when Jesus drove the, the money changers out of the temple, out of the temple courtyards. There were, there were men that were taking advantage of the religious, uh, pious people, and they were uh, trying to take advantage of them and by selling them product to worship. And we call that today, you know, Jesus junk, you know, Jesus bookmarks and Jesus erasers and Jesus bumper stickers and all that stuff that they try to sell you. Well, you know, I, I hope maybe some of you make money that way. But in this case, this, this, was, um, this, was, really, um, this was really something that, that Jesus had to correct because it was the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong motive. So we go to John chapter 2, and you can pick up the story with me. John chapter 2, you can find it in your Bibles or on the iPhone deal. Um, verse 13, the Jewish Passover was near. 
And so Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple complex and he found people selling oxen and sheep and doves. And he also found the money changers sitting there. And after making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple complex with their sheep and oxen. And he also poured out the money changers coins and overturned the tables. And he told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Uh, this phrase, Beth actually read this scripture at the beginning of worship, not having reviewed my notes, but th this phrase, zeal for your house will consume me, is quoted a lot in the New Testament. So it is, it is a description of the Messiah. The Messiah was passionate Zeal or passion for God's house, for the things of God, eats me up, consumes me. That's what this is saying. Passion for the things of God eats me up or consumes me. And this was the motivating factor. This was the fuel that caused Jesus to react to these money changers. So here's a question I have for you. And you can answer this in your mind. Or, you know, if you're taking notes, maybe you want to answer this with a paper and pen, but here's a question. I want you to fill in the blank. Okay. The question is this, what do I want to be? I, no, let me start over. I want to be passionate about blank. Think about that. I want to be passionate about blank and you fill it in. Would you fill in? I want to be passionate about my marriage. Do I want to be passionate about my job? Do I want to be passionate about the certain TV show? You fill in the blank about what you want to be passionate about because we have an incredible capacity, incredible capacity in our lives to create passion. We, you know, we create passion by the choices we make. The things we think about, the things we talk about, the things we do determine what our passion is going to be. So I've got a question for Jonathan. Uh, yeah, you, Jonathan. Yeah, you're like, you look, is there another Jonathan? Hoping another Jonathan sat next to him. Do you think that Kevin Stalling should keep his job? Yes. Do you know who he is? Good. Okay. All right. So the way I was hoping you would answer was, I don't know who he is. Is that true? So I'm not a, a lying up here. Okay. You don't know who Kevin Stallings is. I, this guy's a great musician. So I had a feeling because I'm friends with him. I knew that he didn't know who Kevin, Stall Kevin Stallings was. Now over here is my 11 year old son. All right. Do you think Kevin Stallings should keep his job? Yes. How, do, why do you believe this? Because he's broken records. He's broken records. Okay. Now here we go. We got two people. All right. Jonathan's a musician. And then Kevin Stallings, by the way, is the Vanderbilt basketball coach. All right. Oh yeah. Right. So you have a, a musician, a guy, you know, who, who, if he answered it right, would, would have said, I don't know who he is. And now my son, my son, uh, because of me is a season ticket holder to Vanderbilt basketball. And uh, we, our family distribute some of our money to that basketball program. And we go to the games when we can, and we're invested, right? I mean, we care about that basketball squad. We care about that basketball squad because we're invested. And he, at 11 years old, knows that uh, Stallings is the all-time record holder at Vanderbilt. He's having a rough season. 
Now, I'm not going to give my opinion on what, whether I think he should keep his job or not, because just in case I'm sure Kevin listens to my podcast every week as he prepares, you know, so I want to stay politically correct as my podcast goes out to millions across this nation. Um, so, so I'll keep my opinion to myself, but, but the deal is this, is that whatever we put our attention to is what we're passionate about. So remember my question, I want to be passionate about blank because our time and our energy and our mindset goes to that. So I'm not going to pick on anymore, just so you be safe. I'm not going to pick on anyone's sports teams. I'm not going to pick on yoga or Disney World or CrossFit or, or a lot of the things that we're passionate about, you know, because I don't want you, I'm not thinking of anybody in here, but reading social media, I know those are things that are talked about a lot. So I'm going to pick something I think that is safe. How many in here have ever been or heard of a place in Bowling Green, Kentucky called Beach Bend? Don't know what that is? Okay. I don't see a whole lot of like Beach Bend visors and I love Beach Bend coffee mugs. And there's just a limited amount of Beach Bend paraphernalia you see around. I mean, it's a nice place. You go there. But it's not like some of the more popular amusement parks where people are planning their family vacation around the Beach Bend calendar each year, right? Uh, people aren't making special pilgrimages to Bowling Green to go to Beach Bend. So it's pretty safe there. This is a safe example, I think. But the deal is this. If you want to have a passion for Beach Bend Amusement Park, then think about it and talk about it and blog about it and spend your money on it and spend your vacation time on it and spend your disposable energy on beach men and then beach men will get in your heart and you'll express it all the time. Now here's where I'm going and some of you know where I'm going with this. If you wanna have a passion for the son of God, for Jesus Christ, then think about him and talk about him and spend your disposable time with him and put some energy in him because those things that we think about, those things that we meditate on, those things that um, we spend our energy on, that is where our passion comes from. Passion doesn't come accidentally. Passion doesn't come uh, because of a one-time experience. Passion comes through repetition. Passion comes through discipline. And the enemy wants to keep you passionless about that which is holy, about that which is separate, that which is of God, the spiritual things. He wants to keep us low in the passion area and instead keep us with high passion about all the other things that don't really matter. Now, I think you know, those of you who know me, I'm a well-rounded person uh, that, you know, I'm involved in a lot of different things, involved in the community, uh, enjoy life. And so I think that, that God gives us gifts and sports and entertainment and music and all those things are gifts from him. And it's okay to have a passion level there. But when that passion is greater than the passion for the son of God, for the things of the Lord, for the things that please the Holy Spirit, Man, we're misguided, guys. We're misguided. So it is that God has called us through 2 Corinthians 8, 7 to excel in our earnestness, excel in our passion, to be white hot with fire for the Lord, to, to make sure that our tanks are full. I mean, if we go back to the car metaphor, a lot of us, I mean, we, we have a beautiful car, but we're running on gas fumes. We're not intentionally stopping 
and filling up our gas tank. We're just wondering. We're, we're wonder, wondering why things aren't operating optimally. We're wondering why we're just coasting through life and there's no momentum, there's no speed. We're not getting where we need to go because you have to be intentional of filling up your car with gas, filling up passion to the things that matter. God's equipped you. God has created you. God has gifted you. God has given you everything you need to be the person he's called you to be, but you have to have the passion. The passion has to take you to that place. So he's here for you. After the MLK service we had last Sunday night, which was a beautiful, beautiful service. And thank you, Key and Sean, for being here and visiting with us today. They were part of, Key was our panelist last week, and so glad she's visiting with us this Sunday. After the service, I went over to Ched's house, me and the boys, and there was about seven or eight men from the church to watch the 49er and Seahawk game. And let me tell you, a miracle happened. All seven of us got to Ched's house without hearing what the score is. That's like a modern day miracle. Jesus walking on water and water to wine. And the fact that somehow by nine o'clock at night, we didn't know what the score was. And Chad's a big Seahawk fan. So we watched every play until the bitter end and the game's over and we're saying goodbye to each other and kind of collecting our stuff. And all of a sudden I said, whoa, 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 whoa rewind. Because you probably know now Richard Sherman uh, gave his interview and talk about a passionate interview. I mean, this guy, this guy let it all out. And I'm sure you've heard it about, about it this week. Since that time I've heard, he's a, he, he's a great guy and he's done a lot for the community. But in that moment, man, he, he just let what we call passion overtake him. And, and I've thought about that this week as I was preparing the sermon. And, and there's been a lot of talk about that moment. But here, here is a man who, who, in the heat of a game, was very passionate in his response and, but I think of another, another person who's also very passionate, someone who I've read all his books, someone I admire very much, who's also involved in the NFL, as Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy is an outstanding leader, an outstanding mentor to the NFL team, and I, I've never seen him yell or scream. I've never seen him do that. And this is the point I want to make is this, is that passion is not about your volume, okay? It's not about how loud you talk, are, it's not about some of the mannerisms we, we think. We imagine the old classic example, Woody Hayes at Ohio State, who's so passionate, you know, he hits somebody on the football field. And, and passion is not about that, because my favorite coach was Tom Landry. And I don't remember Tom Landry ever screaming, but he had a passion within him, a passion within him that drove him to excellence. And so, Here's my second point is this, is that passion is diverse. One person's passion may be different than the other. Passion is not because of the volume of how you speak. And passion is not because of your personality. And passion is not because uh, you're a certain type of leader because you took some kind of test through HR that determined you were either a rhino or a monkey or whatever that is, uh, or a bear, you know, there's some kind of test. I don't remember which one, or they say you're a type A personality. And so you're this way. Uh, none of those things happen. I want you to know every single one of you are passionate. Every single one of you are a passionate person. Don't think, listen, I'm not passionate. Someone else is passionate. Your passion will take on its own, own personality and your passion will take on its own call. Every single one of you, God has called you to excel in passion. And now there's passion that is connected with our calling. 
And I want you to see this between Paul and Peter. If you go to Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, verse 7, we, we, we see you have two apostles, Paul and Peter. They're both apostles, but they have different callings, different passions. Instead, they saw that God had given me, being Paul, the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Both apostles, both with different passions, different callings. God had different, given them different callings. God has called me here to Hendersonville. And I hope it's for a long time. If you guys keep me and the Lord allows it, we love this community. We love being here. And Hendersonville is different than East Nashville. And so God has given Preston and his team a unique personality. Their services will be different than ours because they're reaching a different subculture there. Next month, or in April, excuse me, um, Abe Sobchak will be here. Who He has a passion for the country of Laos. And he is there in Laos ministering to those people, doing something totally different than what we do. And so it is that there's a different calling. There's a different calling. A different calling on Peter and a different calling on Paul. A different passion. Passion is diverse. Passion is different. Just because I'm passionate about one thing in the kingdom, Beth's going to be passionate about something different. Chip's going to be passionate about something different. That's how God advances his kingdom. Now, within that call, I want to show you an example of where there's different passions about a particular situation. And now we go to Acts chapter 15, and this is a situation that Paul and Barnabas went through together. It says, after some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in every town where we have preached the message. So they're going to go visit the churches they've started and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. Let's go back. But Paul did not think it appropriate to take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had gone, had not worked had not gone on with them to the work. There was such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. Then Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended to the grace of the Lord by the brothers. And he traveled through these countries, strengthening the churches. So we see here two men that the Bible never says which one was right. But they had different passion about a particular subject, in this case about John Mark. Barnabas says, I want to take John Mark with me. Paul said, John Mark deserted us. Let's not take him again. It was such a sharp disagreement. These two guys split up. And we know later in the Bible that John Mark stayed in the faith. So it was a good thing that, that Barnabas took him. We also know that the elders, you just read it with me, commended Paul on his work. So two different passions, right? Situational passion that sometimes we see things differently. We see things from a different perspective, yet God can work on that. You know, a lot of things are changing in life, but there, there are some things that are universal. Some things that just never change. And one of them is this. 
a child opening a lemonade stand. How many of you opened a lemonade stand when you were a kid? Some of you, some of y'all did that. So we see a lot of hands. Well, I remember opening a lemonade stand and in my neighborhood that tends to happen every year in the spring or the summer when my kids a few years ago, they were doing it. Now some of the younger kids in the neighborhood, they're starting these lemonade stands. And you know, when you first plan your childhood lemonade stand, I mean, it starts off with all vision. You're not just going to put out the card table and the cardboard sign and the lemonade mix. This thing is going national. We're going to create a lemonade franchise. All right, y'all remember those feelings and thinking, man, we're gonna take this thing to the top. Our neighborhood, we're gonna mix the best lemonade that's ever been mixed and we've got the business plan and we're gonna get rich and we're gonna get famous and we're gonna reproduce this thing and we're going all the way with our lemonade stand. But there's something in the business plan that kids never plan and never think of. That's lunch. Because about 1130 comes and they get hungry and they have to go home. And mom or dad fixes whatever you fix, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a microwave pizza. And after their stomachs get full, they look outside and the sun is at the highest place of the day. And it's the hottest it's ever been. And within a span of three hours, these children have gone from, you know, lemonade entrepreneurs to they're not even willing to go outside and fold up the card table now. It's too hot, mom. And listen, we can all relate to that because that such is life, right? I mean, so many things we start out with passion, but after a little while, it just gets harder than we expected or we don't plan well or we don't anticipate and our passion, our passion leaves us. Here's the third thing I wanna share with you today is passion diminishes. Our passion diminishes right in the middle of the day. Now, here's the deal, guys. I think it's normal and it's, it's part of our developmental process that things we're passionate about today, we may not be passionate about five years from now. There are things that 10 years ago we were really passionate about that, that they, they don't apply to our lives anymore. And that, that's okay. I mean, we kind of, when it comes to our occupation, when it comes to, to entertainment, when it comes to sports teams, when it comes to the arts, whatever it is, sometimes our taste, we have ebb and flow, we change. That's understandable. But here's what I want to warn you about today is our passion for Jesus, our passion for God's word our passion for the things of God, our passion for the things that matter. Guys, there should not be an ebb and flow to that. We shouldn't be in and out. All that is is deception from the evil one. I mean, God wants our passion to be white hot with the hottest kind of fire for him. And, and that doesn't happen naturally. That happens when we're intentional about our lives and we make choices and decisions to say, God, I want to stay passionate. I know I can't, it's not, passion is not the only thing. I have to have the knowledge. I have to have the right speech. I have to have the faith, all the things we've discussed, but I have to have your Holy Spirit to breathe upon those gifts you've given me. So my passion stays at the level you've called it to be. I want to excel in passion. And it's a fight sometimes. We have to be aware of the enemy's schemes. We have to be aware of the enemy's plans. 
because a lot of you are well-trained, you're well-experienced, a lot of you have all of the personality giftings. I'm gonna say all of you have the personality giftings. You have all the tools God has given you to make an impact in this world, but you're not fueled up. You don't have his passion. And this is not something unique to us here in the 21st century. We go to Revelation chapter two. In the first century, Paul, uh, John was writing, was writing down his revelation to a specific church in Ephesus. And these are the words. It says, write to the angel of the church in Ephesus, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven gold lamps stands, says, that's Jesus, I know your works, your labor and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil. You, you've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you've found them to be liars. You also possess endurance and have tolerated many things because of my name and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen? Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And I believe that lampstand is our influence. You know, Jesus called us to be the light of the world, to be a city set on a hill, to be someone who we have not hidden our faith and that lampstand's gonna be removed if we forget our first love. Look at verse four again. Look at verse four. And this is Jesus saying this, I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. You know, that is... One of our great challenges is to keep our love for God fresh. Keep our love for God as innocent and childlike and holy as he wants it to be. I mean, he, he wants us to approach him with a pure and innocent heart, but our heart, our heart gets deceived so easily and the heart is wicked without the Holy Spirit's help. And we need the Lord and we need his passion. We need the spirit to breathe upon us, to give us life. We need the spirit to breathe upon us so that our faith doesn't get stale and it doesn't get old and it doesn't, doesn't stay dormant. See, a lot of you have had fires in your fireplace during this very cold winter. And you know what it's like when the embers are dying down and you take and, and you, you, you poke the fire and what happens is oxygen goes to places, goes to places that that had not been exposed and the fire comes back to life again. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit's like. He breathes upon us and he breathes new passion and new fire and, and new vitality and new spiritual life. You know, you have to have the right faith and the right speech and the right knowledge. You can't just be only passion, but all of the other ingredients without passion, without passion, all of them, they, they don't operate the way God wants them to. So, so I have a, a question for you. What is your lemonade stand? I mean, what, what is it that you built with big dreams and big passions, but right in the middle of the day, it got too hot and it got too hard and it got too difficult and you didn't remember the original dream. And let the Holy Spirit say to you today, let me breathe upon that again. Passion for the Lord, passion for the things of God. Let's pray about this. God, we're people who have to have you. 
I mean, we need you. We want you. We desire you. Uh, Lord, without you, God, without your approval, without your hand, without your participation, God, uh, it's not good enough, Lord. We're, we're desperate for you. And Lord, here in this first month of the year, you've called us to the scripture that has said, excel, excel in faith, excel in speech, excel in knowledge. And God, so today we're asking you to help us to excel in passion. Make us passionate about the things that really matter. Make us passionate about the things that really make a difference. Uh, all of the other things, Lord, they're not bad by themselves, but Lord, when they when we have a greater passion about our recreation and about our vacations and about our fitness, all those things have value. But God, if those things, we have a greater passion for those than for the things of God, we're misguided. And, and Lord, we hear your call, Jesus. You said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else we need will be added. So we say yes and amen to that, Lord. Let it be, Father. An attitude of prayer. Let's stand together.